When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Meadows at Mystic Lake has modified its golf policies to follow the COVID-19 public health recommendations and welcomes you to play this award-winning public golf course. It offers a unique, challenging, and scenic golf experience. The Meadows at Mystic Lake is a full-service golfing destination, enhanced by nearby food and entertainment, including the Meadows Bar and Grill and Mystic Lake Casino Hotel. It's never too early to book a tee time or shop the pro shop. Stop in or visit GolfTheMeadows.com. That's GolfTheMeadows.com. Owned and operated by Shakopee Midwakanton Sioux Community. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. You gave us a chance at the end, but I got three words for you. You like that? All right. Welcome into the show. This is Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment. You can find us and everything we do at Score North on scorenorth.com and the Score North app. And uh, Purple Daily, Apple, Spotify, scorenorth.com, and the Purple Daily YouTube channel, where we're going to be live on Wednesday night for the greatest phenomenon in American sports, the NFL schedule release. We already know the teams, and now we get to find out the order on Wednesday night. So hang out with us, Mackie Judd, executive producer, Declan, and Judd's bobblehead collection. Exactly right. Be fun. A lot yeah. of those. So uh, Purple Daily presented by TCL. Enjoy more of what you love with TCL. And you'll notice uh, if you're watching on YouTube, we've got Another friend from Pro Football Focus. So Eric Eager has always been uh, a regular contributor on this show for a number of years. And uh, we're happy today to add Seth Galena to the Kirk Cousins fan club. It's a christening for you, Seth. After you wrote on PFF.com, Kirk Cousins is a dark horse MVP <laughs> candidate after uh, the Vikings improved their offensive line. And I love your tweet where you said, I don't actually believe he's going to win MVP. It's just a joke. Actually believes it more than anything, and it's the only constant I hold on to <laughs> as I get sucked further and further into the void. Uh, so, all right, explain yourself here. You've got a lot of split fans that are watching and listening to this right now on Kirk Cousins. <laughs> well, okay, so my thing with Kirk Cousins is like, I've, this is my theory on life, really, is that I believe there's like a parallel universes. Um, I, and I think a lot of people believe in this type of stuff. So there is a universe out there. Like we live in universe, you know, dimension number like 85B78 or whatever it is, right? <laughs> there is one universe. There's one. And trust me, there's not many. There's just one. There's one universe where Kirk Cousins wins un NFL MVP or or and or uh wins the Super Bowl or takes the Vikings to the Super Bowl. I don't know if it's this one. I hope it's this one for my sake. For my own sanity I kinda hope it's this one because I put you out like all that. my you like that? 
I put out so much pro Kirk Cousins uh, propaganda that I hope it's this universe. <laughs> uh, because, look, at, at the end of the day, he's like, I, I will say that I like these quarterbacks who don't come in with a lot of, uh, you know, physical skills. And that's certainly Kirk Cousins, right? He doesn't have the, the strongest arm. He's pretty accurate, but he doesn't have the strongest arm. Obviously, can't really move around the pocket. And I'm sure we'll talk about that because um, it's important. And so, like, when I see these guys who have, like, you know, I'm, I'm a quarterback coach at heart. So it's like when I see these guys with tremendous, you know, footwork, the drop back footwork, timing and stuff like that, I'm like, oh, look at this guy. He's such a great quarterback. And then I get I get carried away a little bit. And then I say that these guys are dark horse MVP candidates Love it. That, I, that I don't know if I should take back or not. But anyways, no, that's kind of why I like I like Kirk Cousins. And he's not a bad quarterback. Like he, he was like a seventh. <laughs> In uh, in PFF grade the last season, you know ninety three point something grade like that's really good. There's obviously issues, and I'm and I know you know talking to Vikings fans right now, um, there are many issues. But I just there's something about him that I um, that I'm into uh, from a quarterback perspective, and and that's why I, I hang on to this hope that this is the universe where he wins the MVP. Seth, I love this. And I, I, I don't know. I, I do, don't trust me. I don't. No, but no, no, no. But I, I don't know if, if as you wrote this, you thought about the possibility here. But here's what I love that you've done. You have, in, in fact, it's a, it's a rule of mine that's very, very smart. What you've done is observed what Kirk has. Right, Thielen, Jefferson, Irv Smith, Dalvin Cook, an O line that is now pass protection wise should be improved, right? And you've come to the conclusion that if if Kirk plays as well as Kirk can possibly play, there's no reason why if he can get off to a, a good start, which he's not done for two years now, but then he, he always bounces back. There's no reason why he can't be in the mix because he's got the talent around him. He's got the players. He should ha- have the protection. You, you, to me, have done the genius thing. You've applied smart pressure here. Because you're not wrong. Like, I don't think he's going to win it, but he certainly has the, for what he's paid, he has the pieces around him to be in contention for exactly what you're talking about. And that's why I love this. You know, I think the, the, one of the problems, like you said, is, is how much he's paid. Because you don't want to have to rely on everything else around him being perfect if you're paying him this much money. I think that's really the biggest issue. But with that said, like they're already, he already has the money in his bank account. Like nothing's going to change now. So it's like, okay, well now we, we we can put together this really really great team around him. And like you said, the receivers are great. Um, getting getting Jefferson like they did last year, you know, losing Stephon Diggs, you're thinking, okay, well it kind of sucks that now they have to just go and go and kind of gamble on taking another receiver in the first round because they need that second receiver, and they got. Look, whatever you want to think about the draft, and they really got lucky getting Jefferson because he could have been Jalen Rager. And then we saw what we saw what happened, you know, with the Eagles last year. Obviously, Jefferson's a hell of a player. Um, it turns out that he's a hell of a player. So it, it worked out for them. The offensive line has been horrible. A lot of guys like can deal with not having the best offensive line. Kirk Cousins is not one of those guys. And that, and that's kind of what I'm, what I'm talking about when I say maybe you shouldn't pay this type of player that much money, but he has the money. So now they've, they've, they've gone, they've traded back. 
They've taken the tackle who probably was already the guy that they wanted to take at 14, and they get him at 23 and get an extra draft pick. The guard they take, you know, that's Darisaw in the first round. The guard they take in the third round is a player that I like um, because I think that some of the issues that caused him to slip all the way to the third round were more schematic uh, at Ohio State. I'm talking about Wyatt Davis. So I think, like, as an individual pass protector, run blocker, he's a very good player and probably probably more of a mid-second round type of player. So I think that, like, changes a lot. And, you know, the thing I wrote about in my article was how bad the specifically the interior of the Vikings offensive line has been in Cousins' tenure. And importantly for that is that because he's not mobile and because he tends to hold on to the ball for a long time, and this is something that I was surprised about when I looked at the numbers, you 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 think, and this is like you know playing into some like stereotypes, and and I'm I'm fall victim to it all the time. It's like you think that well, he's this non-mobile quarterback who's like has like kind of an okay arm and but is accurate, so he gets the ball out quickly, right? Because everyone like that is Drew Brees, right? They just yeah. get the ball out quickly and they do that stuff. And Kirk is not like that, and and it reminded me of something that um, an article or a podcast or something that Jay Gruden was on talking about his time with Kirk Cousins, and he was saying how you know Kirk will not. Kirk won't let me put plays in the game plan for Sunday unless we've run them perfectly, absolutely perfectly during the week. And that's just not, that's not possible. Yeah. And then when he, when he gets out on the field, it's like if the guy is not perfectly wide open in the way that he likes it, he's not going to force anything in. So I think that, so it's like, okay, and now it makes sense to me. That's why he's holding on to the ball so long. Well, you can't do that when you're getting, when you don't have mobility and the pocket is being collapsed inward on you. Like you're stepping up because you know how a drop back works. You know, you take your three step drop, your five step drop, and you start moving back up to you know the the line of scrimmage. Well, all of a sudden that the, those the, the pocket is being pushed back into you. That's not a good combination. And he still performs pretty well. Um, like I said, ninety three PFF grade and stuff like that. So now you're thinking, even if he doesn't change that much, just the fact that, that that interior offensive line or the offensive line as a whole is not getting pushed back, he's not getting pressured as much, uh, he can be the same quarterback, he can hold on to the ball a little bit longer than most quarterbacks would, especially most quarterbacks with his physical still skill set, and then still be able to at least not get sacked because he takes a ton of sacks, maybe get some checkdowns. You know, less negative plays I think would be the would be important. You know, maybe it's not that he's holding onto the football and then hitting a deep post for a touchdown. It's maybe he's holding onto the football and then getting a four yard completion on a check down, or, and then and then Dalvin Cook breaks the tackle and they go for a first down, like something like that. So I don't think he even has to change that much. I think, but I think what the Vikings have done with the offensive line should help them, the whole team, whether he wins the the MVP or not, should help them um, just be just be that much better uh, next season. I think like everything you just outlined is a it's a great summation of the it's it's less about Kirk and limitations and there are some and you laid them all out and it's more about contract and when people say well I mean that's the market it's a supply and demand issue in the NFL there's like 20 reliable quarterbacks in the world maybe at any given time and 15 of them are going to be uh, available in free agency or up for a contract and so therefore they get 15 to 25 percent of a team's salary cap now and, and and but I think there's a difference between market value and what a quarterback should get paid and how much a quarterback needs to be paid for you to have a chance to build the right roster around and win a Super Bowl and, and Seth like when when we watch championship weekend 
and then the Super Bowl. Very rarely does a team that win that wins the Super Bowl march through with perfectly clean conditions up and down, and the game script goes the way that you want in all the games, and the pocket is clean for eighty percent of the game. Right? It's like it's a it's improvisational plays. Like think back to all the big highlighted plays that win Super Bowls. Like it's random crap that a quarter a quarterback has to be improvisational. I think. Kirk knows that, and he has talked about wanting to use his legs more to extend plays, even though he's not Lamar Jackson. So I think the biggest question for his evolution, if he's going to be an MVP or if he's going to get to the level of taking a team to the Super Bowl, is can he be better off script? Is that something you can learn and get better at when you're 32 years old or whatever he is right now? Yeah, that that, that would be the... The issue. And I think, you know, I completely agree with what you're talking about going into the playoffs and, and things are not going to be clean. I, I think back to, you know, I'm a Saints fan. So I think back to, and this is related to you guys, the, the playoff game uh, two years ago, the Saints at the Vikings. So, you know, Breeze is having this really good season. Obviously, he missed a few games, um, you know, the, the Bridgewater games. And then he comes back, they play the Vikings in the playoffs. And in a one game scenario, winning, you know, lose and go home. The pocket wasn't great for him. The Vikings had a great pass rush that game. They're rushing four and still getting to the quarterback. And all of a sudden, they couldn't move the ball. You know, um, so I think that – so, again, I, I agree with what you're saying in, in terms of, you know, you got to have a quarterback who can who can just do stuff when he's wrong. That's what I, I've been saying a lot – this a lot about the, the rookie class coming in when we look at um, what type of quarterback you want as a, as a rookie is, you know, you're not always good. The defenses are so good right now at creating pressure, coming with exotic blitzes and dropping defensive linemen so that they're actually, they might get a free guy, but they're actually not blitzing eight guys. You know, they're, they're blitzing four, but getting a free guy. So that's tough on a quarterback because you don't have a hot route to go to. Um, so when I talk about these rookie quarterbacks, it's like, hey, you need some sort of escapability because especially as a rookie, you are not going to be right about getting into the right protection, about knowing where your hot receivers are and stuff like that. So I think that um, that's so important in today's NFL. Can Kirk learn that? At Like you said, at, at, at an advanced age, <laughs> that uh, remains to be seen. And I think you're going to have to have some sort of situation where, you know, I, I think you could maybe use the Nick Foles Eagles year as an example. Um, you know, just like a flash in the plant, like having a, you know, the Eagles were good, you know, obviously with Wentz during the season. And then you kind of have this flash in the pan, three, four games in the playoffs. Um, and maybe that's what needs to happen with Kirk Cousins. Now, the problem is, I think with, I could be wrong about this, but I think with Foles, using that Foles example, he had like unsustainable play under pressure, which honestly, and then, you know, him being a big body, he can probably get balls out that Kirk couldn't, but maybe that is, that's actually part of it. And maybe, you, you just get to the get to the postseason, and then he has an unsustain, unsustainable run of play under pressure, where it's just just a three game run. That's all you really need, right? Just a yeah. three game run, like like you're like this is like this is March Madness. You get hot from three or something like that, and, and maybe that's the that's the way it it happens. <laughs> it's funny as I talk. I get less and less um, convinced. <laughs> oh no! The CEO of the Kirk Cousins fan club is stepping He's down. Like, I'm just not going to. Right no, no, I'm not going to go with this anymore. <laughs> this delete, take is washed. Delete. Sorry. You know, but it, but it's like I I I, I keep going back to this because I do feel like 
as I said, as a Saints fan, you know, I'm 33 years old. So like in 20, 2006, when, when Drew Brees became the quarterback, I was like 18 or whatever. And that's when you, you know what I mean? So you, you watch football as, as a kid and, and you kind of understand it. But then when you really start to understand it is when you get to your, probably your 20s and you, and you, you can sort of contextualize football and especially being a, a football coach. So like Drew, I, I grew up with Drew Brees and like that specific style of play. So of course, when I see someone like Kirk Cousins who has similarities to that, I'm like, oh my God, this is it. This is the guy. Here he is, the next great quarterback. Because, and, and honestly, he has some of the cleanest footwork um, in, in the game. Like he's super sweet with his feet. It's just like, there's just so many issues. So like, I still like, I still like those guys. But I do wonder. I do wonder if I would be the the um, the CEO of the of the Kirk Cousins fan club if like the Saints had like kept like Aaron Brooks for my twenties and I would have seen a completely no, different probably not. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. So Seth, what what is your um, thoughts too on when you watch film of the Vikings offense and Kirk as a whole? Because part of this equation, too, goes beyond Kirk. It goes to play calling, and they obviously love to use Cook, and they love to run. Um, in your analysis, how much do the, the Vikings have to at least start to shift a little bit more to a team that passes to, if if you're going to get the best from Kirk, it seems to me that that's also an important step that he clearly does not control. It's controlled by the actual offensive play calling. Yeah, I think what would worry me uh, after a few seasons. No, I think he's. I think you know, you look at the offense that he's been put in this. You know, Kubiak, Shanahan, Gibbs offense. And when I say Kubiak, Shanahan, Gibbs, I'm talking about like the '97, '98 Denver Broncos uh, when they kind of created this 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 horizontally stretched running game paired with all the play action off of it, and that kind of went away, kind kind of went out of style for a bit. Um, you know, we still kind of lived in a, a West Coast or, or maybe a spread spread type of system in the NFL. And now it's back in full force, right? Now everyone's running it because we've seen uh, the, the the Rams have have success with it. We've seen the 49ers have success with it, and we're seeing that and the, we're seeing Kirk Cousins have success with it. I think what would make me nervous is once you pull back all the runs and all the play actions, can he be a straight drop back passer time and time again? And while I think he's better than Jared Goff, to use him as an example, you know, when, when, when the Rams have had to do that with Jared Goff, it's looked really bad. You know, when he's, not, when he's not had the benefits of that play action, that wide zone scheme, it, whew, it's been rough. You know, so you can, only, you can only do so much as a play caller. And you look at McVay and Shanahan with Garoppolo, and, and, you know, I think Kubiak, and now we're going to have a new Kubiak, but I think they're, and as Stefanski before that, I think they're all pretty good play callers, but you can only do so much to get the quarterback, especially in the straight drop back game, to his first read that's going to be open all the time. Like, you got to have a guy who's going to be able to 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 progress through his progressions and 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 make plays for you in the same way that, we, that we've been talking about. Like, it's not going to be perfect. The pocket's not going to be perfect. It'll be better this year, but it's not going to be perfect. Um, you got to start getting rid of the football probably more uh, to players who you might not think are open, but probably NFL open. So I think that, like I said, I think that would scare me the most if you peeled it back and said less runs, more dropback passes. Are we going to get the same? Are we going to get the same production out of Kirk? Is he that good? 
you know, part of my Kirk for MVP, um, uh, you know, campaigning is on exactly that, which is, yeah, we got to keep this run game going. We got to keep all the play action boots going because it's what helps him be this productive quarterback. So I don't know. I think that would be scary um, if, if they peel it back, but if they peel it back and he's having a great seat, like it, it could happen where he peels it back and we are living in the universe where he wins the MVP and he has a great season like that yeah. dropping back and he's delivering bombs and throwing the ball accurately and stuff like that. So I, I guess if we see it pretty, you know, it'll, it'll be pretty early in the season that we see a game where they're behind and they got to throw the ball a lot and we'll, we'll know which universe we live in uh, probably by week three or four. Hey, Seth, last thing for you here, because um, just and just for the audience, you can find Seth as host of the PFF College Football Podcast. You do a ton of um, great work analyzing the college game. So just your quick thoughts on, on Kellen Mond. I think the way we look at it here is Kirk's contract is the problem. He's the third highest cap hit now. 2022, he's the second highest cap hit at $45 million. It's just it's you can't play on that on that contract if you want to build a Super Bowl roster. So. Uh, we you know we look at Kellen Mond and say okay if he pans out at one million dollars to the cap next year you could build a pretty nice roster around him with the remaining cap space but he'd have to develop pretty quickly behind the scenes so what do you see with him and and how likely is it that he could be a viable starting quarterback in a year or two I think with Kellen Mond is like you, you, the consistency is the issue now consistency is the issue with everyone who doesn't make it in. Or, or isn't an elite player in, in whatever sports league we're talking about. I mean, that's really the crux of the whole operation here is like, can you, you if you play in the NFL or play in the NHL, you play in the NBA, whatever it is, like you can, I always think about it in hockey terms. I'm getting off the topic here, but, but I always think about hockey terms. Like everyone can skate down the ice and shoot the puck in the top corner if you play in the NHL. But can you do it 50 times a game, 50 times a season like Alexander Ovechkin can? No, no one can, right? So I think that's what the problem with Kellen Mond is like we, we saw this high-end play we also saw this really low in play. He's a little robotic. I think he needs to be a little looser in how he goes through progressions, how he takes some shortcuts uh, to get to the right receiver. And he's, you know, the accuracy is just hit and miss sometimes. Strong arm, and he can get the. You see some plays where you know he's under pressure, and you get the ball out. Um, you deliver strikes. So I think that's really nice from him, from him. Like I said, just the inconsistency, a little robotic. And I think what you hope for is him playing without a lot of surrounding talent. Um, the offensive line was okay, but the receiver is not, not that great. And they did lose their best receiver like in week two or something last year. Tight ends, the tight ends pretty good. You might play in the NFL. But besides that, that's it. Jimbo Fisher's scheme doesn't do a lot of favors for him. You know, it's a lot of tougher throws. Got to get through progressions and then find a backside receiver on like a dig route. And and so not not super easy. So you, you I think that if you're, if you're thinking um, positively, you're thinking, Hey, he didn't play in a t- he played in a tough situation. What would he have looked like if he played at Alabama instead of Mac Jones and he had all this clean pockets and these receivers running free all over the place? Like, would he look like Mac Jones? And I think, like, like I said, the uh, t- high end. That's what you're hoping for is that he is actually a really good quarterback who just played in a bad situation. Yeah, great stuff, man. PFF Seth making his debut on on Purple Daily here with Mac. Kirk Cousins, baby. MVP. <laughs> print the shirts. <laughs> yeah, print the shirts. All right, All right Seth. Nice talking to you guys. We'll, Thanks, we'll talk again sometime, man. Um, and, and we'll get to, uh, real quick here in a second, we'll get to the Vikings are back. It's now like the third or fourth wave of free agency, and there's a couple connections that we'll get to. But 
Seth's appearance with us was presented by our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, and Kellen Mond is insurance for Kirk Cousins and Kirk Cousins' contract. Uh, really, if, if Federated protected football teams, they would come in and say, listen, we specialize in risk management. We specialize in uh, tools that can help protect your business and give you peace of mind, and that's what a good backup quarterback with upside is for uh, for the Vikings. So find out more about the tools that Federated can help your business with at federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Oh, my gosh. Who lives in that cabin? What's wrong with their lakeshore? Look at all those weeds. Ugh, that is the worst cabin on the lake. Don't be such a busybody. Excuse me? They must not know about Aquaside. Is that what we use? Yep. Just one application of Aquaside each spring keeps our lakeshore weed-free. Don't be that cabin this summer on your lake. Eliminate lake weeds this summer with Aquaside pellets. I should tell them about Aquaside. Oh, now who's the busybody? Call 1-800-328-9350 or go to Aquaside.com. Just any, that, that was some great insight. I think he summed up Kirk Cousins very well in that he's got impeccable footwork. He's very accurate. There are some Drew Brees type qualities there, right? Where he's mm-hmm. pocket passer, dart thrower guy. And then the flaws come in when things aren't perfect or it's time to thread a needle into a tight window or it's time to decide which plays go in the game plan for the week, right? And Kirk is very much in this tight space of compared to a bunch of other quarterbacks, especially the more mobile ones now that are improvisational and running around and keeping plays alive. Like he operates with such a thinner margin for error and it puts more pressure on the front office and the rest of the coaching staff to make the pieces around him more perfect than maybe Pat Mahomes needs or oh, yeah. Josh Allen needs, right? So I thought he did a good job of summing up everything that is Kirk Cousins. But that's the problem is I don't think that you can unteach yourself. I, I think it's Kirk's personality, so I don't think it's a football thing. I think Kirk needs Kirk Kirk needs things to, in life, be a certain way, and I don't think that you can – that's a compartmentalized piece of your brain. So you can't remove it. Like, like it's not a footwork thing where you can coach that out. That's how he thinks. And it's a great description. And that comes back to the fact that in no professional sport or hell, no sport, things are never going to be perfect. Like there are probably a lot of guys who would be really, really good with perfection. Um, But it also begs deeper this question. How on earth did you sign this guy knowing this and not give him an O-line that could really pass protect him? Like, that's the question. The question is, because Kirk didn't get here and change. Kirk was the guy in Washington that he's been here. Um, I don't understand how you watch Kirk on film and talk to Kirk and I'm sure talked to people around Kirk in Washington who probably said, yeah, the guy needs perfection and then said, I will make do. Like that's yeah. that that will always be my question for the Vikings is because I appreciate the attempt that they made with Kirk. I appreciate the fact that they identified him as the rare guy who is a starting caliber, pretty good quarterback who hits the market and you can sign. I will never understand how you didn't know enough about him to say, if we're going to do this, that O-line pass protection wise has to be really good. Not, oh, we'll make do, which is what they said. Yeah. So. Yep. So yeah, That's good good stuff, and uh, you know I I I love it. I love that he's he's going into this parallel universe of what Kirk could be if situations were perfect or different. Boys, before we uh, say goodbye, let's at least mention. So Doogie has reported, I think on both these guys, 
that okay, now that the draft is over, okay, the Vikings still have a few million dollars in cap space, and there's there's like a third wave, fourth wave of free agents out there. Yep. So two names that the Vikings have been tied to. Let's start with name number one here. Wide receiver and former fourth-round pick by the Jacksonville Jaguars, D.D. Westbrook. So some background on D.D. Westbrook. He's a free agent now. He missed almost all of last season with a knee injury. He only caught one pass last year. In the two seasons prior to he's like 28 years old, too. In the two seasons prior to that, 66 catches in 18, 66 catches in 19 uh, for 700 and 660 yards, eight total touchdowns. Now, to me, the biggest hook here, he was he's an older guy. Like he wasn't drafted until he was like twenty-three or twenty-four, I want to say. But he ran a four three nine forty coming out of his pro day in 2017. So he's a burner, but he also is coming off a knee injury. Yep. Interesting candidate as a third wide receiver. Interesting, but he sure seems like and it seems like this team always signs this guy, right? Like we're gonna bring <laughs> yes. him him in and he either gets cut out of training camp. Or makes the team and does not play. So the thing about this is, until the Vikings commit to a third guy who's actually going to play, I don't know it's a huge deal unless a player gets hurt. So if if Thielen or Jefferson go down, it's important. But there always seems to be a guy that the Vikings sign. Veteran guy, receiver, he might catch some balls and like he barely plays. So that that to me is this. Yeah, he also only averaged like 10 yards per catch, and so that tells me he's not he's not using his speed like Deshaun Jackson has throughout his career where he's like right. breaking free down the field or they were using him in a weird way. It's just like normally guys who are that fast that are deep threats are going to average way more than 10 yards per catch. It'll be more like 18, 16, 18, 20 yards per catch. Fitzy, call Fitzy so, up. It's a little bit weird. Possession guy. Yeah, would you okay, would you I guys rather have D.D. Westbrook in his prime? Fitzy. Uh, Fitzy? Yes. I think I'd take Fitzy, Fitzy too. Fitzy would be fun. He might be cooked. I think he might be cooked. He might be cooked, but I think he would I think he would help your team. Yep. Okay. I think he's a really good guy, and I think he would help your team on and off the field, more importantly. Another name connected to the Vikings, edge rusher Ryan Kerrigan, mm-hmm. formerly of the Washington football team. So Ryan Kerrigan was the sixteenth overall pick in two thousand eleven. He's now 32, going to be 33 years old by the time training camp kicks in. Interesting candidate here and that he played the majority of his Washington football career as a stand-up outside linebacker in a 3-4 system. Yeah, And then Ron Rivera came in last year. They switched that defense to a 4-3, and so he became an edge rusher in that system. Um, He was more of a part-time player. He played about half the defensive snaps. Pressure rate was, was down. Uh, but in previous seasons, he's been a really good above-average pass rusher. And where he's been dinged according to pro football focus and why he's not a regular player is his tackling has not been great and his his ability to play against the run has not been great. So yes. Ryan Kerrigan, could you, could you bring him in as sort of a you know 50% of the snaps guy opposite Daniil Hunter as an edge rusher? Maybe. I don't know that he's an 800 snap guy at age 33 at this point didn't, in his career. Didn't we, didn't we all learn our lesson last year, Yannick Ngakwe, the scouting report? And by, by the way, he, he is or was in his prime. The scouting report was what? He can get sacks, rush the quarterback, not great against the pass, okay? Or the, the run, I should say. And you know what happened? He was all of those things and got traded. Uh, unless I get, unless I were to get Kerrigan at just a cut rate price, 
I have no interest in going down the path of, because here's the thing. Think about how bad they were against the run last year. Think about all of the things that they have done to improve that, which I applaud. That's great. That's fantastic. So to bring in a guy again, I would much rather find an end that can get some sacks. That's great. But more importantly, uh, be effective against both the run and the pass. So this would need to be, to me, a complete bargain for the Vikings to make this deal. I'd rather give like uh, you know you, you you've got these two rookies that yeah. you drafted as edge rushers DJ Wanham I'm like with you. just someone who's got fresher legs who's not 33 years Develop old Develop somebody, right? Yeah. Yeah, the other thing about Kerrigan too is so he did play in every game last year including the wild card playoff game against Tampa. So he played in 17 games last year for Washington. Yep. He only had 16 total pressures. Yeah, I'm not. So no. so basically one pressure a game. He did have six sacks. So he got home six times. I don't know. He, it, it kind of feels to me like if this was three or four years ago and you were going to flip him to be stand-up outside linebacker in a 3-4 to a, to a edge rusher in a 4-3, let's do it. Yep. feels like it's a couple years too late. I don't know that I – there's there's got to be better places to allocate that money. Exactly. Even without much much available. I'd rather go get – I'd rather go get a, a bona fide third wide receiver than Ryan Kerrigan. And here's here's my thing too, and I'll, I'll go wonky here with football geekdom. Okay, if Daniil Hunter is back healthy and playing, let's just say it all works out. Okay, at the current rate, and all of his snaps are at left defensive end, I got a problem with that. Like this guy is a weapon, and if he's back. He is a he is one of the elite players defensively in the league. He's one of the best players when healthy in the league, probably, right? You have an opportunity here. And I mean, we saw it in the playoff game against the Saints. This impressed me more than Cousins in that game. There's one takeaway that I hold dear to this day, true to my heart. And that is that the Minnesota Vikings and Zim came up with a defensive plan, Phil and Dex, that was outstanding, right? And what did they do? Griffin and Hunter moved inside at times. They switched them up. So so the one the thing that is opened up here with the right end possibly being a younger player or a rotation is the fact that you have the opportunity to do different things with Daniil. And I think you absolutely positively should all season long, mm-hmm. not just in a playoff game. Yep, I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. So those are a couple names that are still floating out there. I don't know, Larry Fitzgerald hasn't announced his retirement yet. So, but he's sort of publicly vowed to only play for it the Cardinals. I think it'd be a lot of fun. It'd be a blast. We'd have a, a good show at least recapping it here. <laughs> All right, right. So tomorrow's a big day on Purple Daily. We're going to give you two meaty episodes. One, our standard Wednesday, write that down and accountability session but also a live NFL schedule release party on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. So check that out. And uh, if you're if you're listening to us on Apple, please give us a five-star rating and a positive review. Over 600 ratings on Apple. So thank you to everyone who, uh, wherever you listen, but that's the best place to give a review is Apple. And thanks to everyone who has downloaded the Score North app. It's the central hub for everything we do. Purple Daily, Mackie and Judd, Royce Unchained, The Scoop with Doogie, 10,000 Swings, Loon Talk, uh, and all of Judd's written work as well. So good stuff today, boys. I think we learned a lot from uh, PFF Seth, and we're back at it tomorrow with mostly incorrect predictions. <laughs> See you.